and welcome back to the Thundersticks podcast. I'm your host, Ben Kreider, and today I'm going to be talking about former Oklahoma City Blue forward Antonius Cleveland and what he's been up to in the last year. We've seen a lot of success stories from that 2020-21 Blue group, but his kind of went under the radar, so I'll be discussing that today. And I'm also going to be talking about the G League roster in general from that season and what we have seen from that group, both overseas and in the pros. And to wrap it all off, guys, I have a very special offer from my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook, so you do not want to miss out on that. Starting out, though, talking Oklahoma City Blue basketball, this is a bit of a rewind because you know, this season I've been covering the main roster as I should the 2021 22 season. We saw a lot of great pieces and I will have some stories on some of those members as we kind of go through this off season. But like I said, I do want to backtrack one year to 2020 21. This was the bubble season where COVID was, you know, running rampant basically. And for the G league, they didn't want to completely axe the year because when the season was suspended, the NBA season was in March of 2020, the G League just ended their season. They were done right there and going into, you know, the the bubble season, I guess, they had some questions. They didn't know if they were going to, you know, orchestrate the whole entire uh, 100 yards in terms of the season, like how many games do we play, and then they settled on 15 games in February, and that's where you start to see a ton of players enter the pool, because unlike other years where maybe going overseas is a viable option, COVID shut everything down, so players that were traditionally playing overseas and doing a very good job were kind of limited to playing in the States, and that's why you saw players such as Jeremy Lin uh, play for the Santa Cruz Warriors. Now, obviously for him, it was more than just the idea of almost being landlocked in a sense because of the pandemic. He wanted to make an impact and get back to the league. And even though that opportunity didn't pop up, he did one hell of a job. And I think there were various kind of occasions similar to Lynn, where they were playing overseas for multiple seasons, doing a very good job, uh, but they went the G League route in order to kind of get back on that platform and try to get a contract. And for some players, it actually worked out pretty damn well. With Antonius here, his story is a little bit different because unlike someone like Lynn or some of these other veterans, he had actually been playing in the G League quite a bit leading into his time with the Blue. He played two seasons with the Texas Legends. Prior to that, he was playing overseas. He was kind of clinging to like really tiny contracts with other organizations he spent time with the Cleveland Cavaliers uh, and if you guys played I don't know if it would be NBA 2k 14 or 15 he had the worst player card in the entire game if you were to play my team which is basically five on five fantasy build your own team Antonius was the worst player on the roster I think he had a three ball but that was about it so that's kind of the starting point for Cleveland. Joins the blue roster, and he was arguably their best player to begin the regular season. It's 15 games, you have to keep in mind, 
Uh, but those things go by fast, and there's a lot to take away from them uh, just because of kind of the evaluation standpoint of everything. And they started out against the Salt Lake City Stars that year. Total domination. Um, Cleveland was just hitting three-pointers basically anywhere he wanted to. I think the final score had them winning by damn near like 30-plus points. It looked like the Grizzlies-Warriors game from yesterday if that gives you any like sense of perspective it was ugly for salt lake and they went to play against the g league ignite it didn't really go their way but through all that one man stayed consistent and it was antonius i didn't really know what to expect from him whenever i saw the the game day rosters last year cleveland was 26 years old so he was older than a lot of the guys and he had a lot of different organizations under his belt those are some good signs uh, for me. But he was really just shooting the crap out of the basketball. You saw him kind of gravitating towards the wing in the corner. And he actually snuck in some penetrations as well, which that's part of his game that developed over time with the blue. But he was a very good slasher. He's only 6'5", but he never played like that with the blue just because the intensity he was able to bring to the roster. And he was one of the big reasons that they were so successful last year. If you guys remember when I was doing coverage uh, last season on them, they were the best team in the G League about two weeks through play. Moses Brown was number one on the MVP ladder. Now, they never released like week-by-week standings, but it was basically between him or Paul Reed until the tail end of the year. Moses was averaging about 20 and 18 this week, and they were 7 and 1. That was tied for the best record in the G League, and they looked damn near unstoppable. They had the same team from day one till the finale, pretty much. The only difference was Chase on Randall got a two-way contract from the Magic two games into the year, but Chason was not that big of a player. Now, he did perform well the first two games, but Xavier Simpson was a perfect fill-in, and as we all know now, like he has been one of the most instrumental figures on the Blue roster these last two seasons, and he was leading the team in assists last year, so he did a great job, and Antonius was kind of just that ideal glue guy, because you had a guy in Simpson who doesn't shoot the three, but he likes to penetrate, likes to find those open passing lanes, Rob Edwards just shoots the basketball, basically whenever he finds the space for it, and that worked out well uh, last year, he shot 44% from three, that was the best the Blue had that year, and then you had guys like Poku, Moses, and Omer, who, with Moses and Omer, they're just playing bully ball. They're going to get you points somehow. Poku, he was a bit different, right? But you had a lot of kind of pieces, but you didn't have that forward that could kind of tie it all together. They had Melvin Frazier Jr., but he didn't play. Cleveland was the man who rose up at that three spot. So they looked great, and then things didn't look great for them. OKC started just drying out in clutch time game after game they dropped six of their last seven to end the year eight and seven and that got them out of the playoffs mathematically there was no way realistically the blue should have missed the playoffs in the bubble season they were that dominant if you looked at points in the paint you looked at points per game defensive efficiency they were all top five rankings but 
because they let these nail biters slip right out of their fingertips, they were not able to get it done. Talked about it last year again, um, but there was some situation where OKC didn't really even need to win a game. Probably their last two games of the season, they could have went eight and seven, and they would have been fine. But Rio Grande, who had Kevin Porter Jr. at the time, had to lose just one game, one out of their final three, four games, and they would have made it. Rio Grande continues to win. KPJ is playing insane, and the G League Ignite had to lose a game as well. They didn't lose a game, and then OKC gets to play in their what could have been season finale. They controlled their fate for a week, and they couldn't get it done. So there was a lot of twists and turns in that season. And then you got into the turnover where Moses Brown got upgraded. He just balled out for the Thunder. Omer went to go train in Miami. What a coincidence. In May, he gets signed to a two-year contract, and he's doing a hell of a job with the Heat right now. Jalen Horde got a two-way contract. And just one by one, everybody started to leave this team. I think when you look back on this blue roster, there are about five names that you think of. You think of probably Poku, Ty, Moses, Omer, Jalen, and hell, you could maybe even add Xavier and Rob Edwards into that conversation. That's seven names. The man on the outside looking in is Antonius Cleveland, but arguably he has had the best story out of anybody to come out of that roster. So I'm going to be talking about that in one second here. But first, I'll let you all know about a very special offer going on with my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. The NBA playoff action is nonstop at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, New customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the NBA playoffs? With DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, total threes made, total rebounds, and more, and boom, you have a shot at an even bigger payout. Right now, all customers can place a same game parlay with three or more legs and get a free bet back up to $25 if one leg doesn't hit. Here's what you have to do for the offer. Go ahead and download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's promo code TBPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Going into the Cleveland story, though, guys, I kind of gave you a good amount of background on this season, what we saw uh, Cleveland kind of rising to begin the year, and he never really faltered. He was a pretty strong piece of, of that roster played in all 15 games and even though he wasn't the man getting all the looks all the camera flashes 
he stayed true to his craft. He finished the year averaging 15.1 points, five and a half rebounds, and three assists that year. And when everybody was getting their name called to the next level, Cleveland was kind of on the outside looking in. And at this point, he was 27. And that kind of gets you out of the equation for two-way contracts. He's been a pro for a while there. So he had to hope for a 10-day For OKC's sake, they really didn't have a reason to get him on a contract. And for other teams, there just weren't that many 10 days or two ways getting passed around. This season was a real oddity in terms of all these opportunities. But whenever it came time to make a decision over the offseason, he went the overseas route. I'm going to assume no NBA teams were making offers his way. Maybe there was a training camp invite, wanted to see something in summer league. But the Illawarra Hawks of the NBL swooped in with an offer. They ended up having to waive one of their import players to bring him on the roster because I think you could only have two of those on NBL teams just to keep things like balanced, I guess. So they waived someone to bring Cleveland in. He was their final pickup uh, of the, the rotation there. And he became the Hawks' top player. For uh, for fans who don't know, like the Illawarra Hawks, they're the people that fostered LaMelo Ball for a season. They've done pretty good in terms of finding talent. And Cleveland was definitely a hefty pickup for them. Cleveland's biggest strong suit, I would say, with the blue, it came offensively for sure. But he was a catch-and-shoot specialist who could really use his hot hand to tap inside. For penetration shots he shot 38 percent from three with the blue but he only shot 22 percent with the hawks this year he was very bleak on that side and you would think that it would limit his game a lot now obviously that puts some new limitations and ripples on his game but it really didn't shake him up he just had to change a few things about his game and he was just all about attacking the basket this year he finished this season averaging 14.1 points 6.4 rebounds and 6 or excuse me 2.3 assists with the team just like he did with the blue did not miss a single game played in all 28 for them averaging 29.1 minutes so he was one of the foundational pieces for this roster and he's one of the leading reasons why the Hawks were so successful this year they finished things out 19 and 9 on the regular season And for the way the NBL works, there's a final. It's like the NBL final. The top four teams make it in the league. The Hawks were the second seed due to the regular season play. You have to credit Antonius Cleveland a lot for those contributions. Now, another thing about it is because there's only four teams, you're only getting two series. So it's not really conference finals, but that's how it ends up working since you only got four. Unlike the NBA though, it's not best of seven. It was a best of three series for those conference finals, I guess you could say, and the finals are best of five. And Illawarra, they did not have much success. They lost 2-0 to the Sydney, uh, Sydney Kings who made it to the finals, but Cleveland was one of their more consistent guys yet again. I think he had a 20-point outing splotched in there. So it just lets you know that, you know, no matter what the situation, he's going to perform. And that's what he did with the OKC Blue. There weren't many times that you were just begging Cleveland to pass the ball up. Now, 
I'm not saying there weren't times he couldn't buy a bucket because I think there certainly were. But for the most part, he was the safest option for some situations because if it's between Cleveland shooting a left-wing three-pointer or Poku, I'm sorry, Poku, I have to give it to Cleveland any day of the week. (laughs) That's just how the season was for Poku that year. And some of those highlights would probably back what I'm saying. But anyways, he adjusted his game in the NBL became much more of like a penetration guy, downhill finisher, but defensively is what really surprised me. And it really shouldn't be much of a shock because Cleveland was one of the Blues better defenders, I would say, last year. 6'5", having to play at the three is big time. You're playing people that are two, maybe three inches taller than you on a consistent basis. And like I said, I didn't really even think he was 6'5", until I was doing a bit more research on this. So, that's pretty telling on how impactful he can be. But he was a really good piece, two to three for the Hawks this year. And defensively, you could not find a better player in the NBL than Cleveland this season. He was the only player in the league to rank top 10 in both blocks and steals. And what I think is crazy is, like I said, he's 6'5". He averaged over six rebounds per game this year, and he almost clocked two blocks a game. It was 1.9, so you might as well tick it up. That was fourth placed league-wide. Guys that are above him are like Joe Chi. If you remember him from the Houston Rockets, that's the competition he's up against. A seven-foot-tall, really lengthy center or a 6'5", shooting guard, small forward combo. It's crazy, but he, he had a really productive time there. Same goes with the passing lanes, averaged 1.4 steals, which put him ninth. And whenever it became time to fill out the ballot, he was the number one option. So he actually was the defensive player of the year, a, a recipient for the Hawks this season, first season in the NBL. And then the icing on the cake, because he was such a two-way threat, he was on the all NBL first team so he was the best at his position this season I'm very curious with what happens with Cleveland because the way these import deals work are there one-year contracts most of them are Cleveland's was a one-year deal he could re-sign with the Hawks if he so chooses I'm sure they would love to bring him back and I'm sure the NBL in general would love to keep him around What do you do after this point, though? I mentioned this maybe a month ago when Rob Edwards switched agencies. Steinberg Sports Agency, that's where he's at now. He used to be at One Legacy. Antonius Cleveland also joined this agency. And I think I might have touched up on it when the Edwards news broke. But it didn't seem like a big deal to me because I assumed he'd probably stick around, maybe in Australia. Now I'm curious. There's a couple of different NBA guys with Stein, uh, Steinberg Sports right now. Obviously, you want to try to make that jump. And for Cleveland, he's had three very good seasons in the G League. And just this year, he was one of the best players in what I would say is a top five basketball league in the world. If you break down kind of the talent available Obviously, the NBA is going to be number one. Behind that, you go into things like the Euro League 
and you know what they can offer maybe over in Europe but I still think you would say NBL is up there there are a ton of different former NBA veterans on that roster one example when I was uh, mentioning Josh Giddy, actually Donald Sloan was the starting point guard to begin his rookie season with Adelaide Donald Sloan that's a one of those like guess who names almost for NBA players like you remember the name I think I can put a face to him but he was just kind of one of those sturdy rotational guys and I think that's kind of the case with a lot of them Jason Randall's still there he's with New Zealand so yeah there are some very solid contributors and if he wants to go back to an NBA training camp maybe he's able to tap back in there if not I guarantee he's going to be one of the hottest commodities overseas. And from being a G League starter that really wasn't getting much noise to now being one of the best players over in Australia, that is a jump that is very hard to tackle. In terms of salary, Cleveland's not touching Moses Brown or Omer Yurt 7. They're making millions. I think that those import deals range up to like 300k. Now, I don't know because they don't publicize those deals, but I don't think they make a million dollars. That's not how the salary cap is able to kind of fluctuate in the NBL. But in terms of who has been the most consistent, who has been one of the top players from the 2020-21 team, I think Cleveland deserves a lot of praise there. Just reevaluating and revisiting this roster, you had many assignments. You had Poku, Jerome, Josh Hall, and Moses Brown. Then you go to guys like Omer Yurtseven, Cleveland, Rob Edwards, Xavier Simpson, and Jalen Horde. And then you tick down a couple notches, guys like Melvin Frazier, Phil Booth, Woolridge, etc. When you check out the, the teams, or check out the players from this team, Yurt 7 has done an amazing job this year. When Bam was injured for 18 games, he was a double-double machine, and he holds some sort of accolade with Shaquille O'Neal now. I think it's like double-doubles as a rookie, how many you can have in a row. He was tearing the league up in January, and I don't know if it's because he's a bit more flat-footed or exactly why Spolstra does not play him much. They have a very stacked roster, so that I guess that kind of ties things up, but He's kind of been just sifting around as a role player, but whenever his name calls, he does a spectacular job. He averaged 5.3 points and 5.3 boards this year. Didn't shoot amazing from three, (laughs) like literally shot 9%, but we know there's a face-up game there. It just sort of took time to emerge last season, and he's still doing a great job in terms of second-chance buckets. Moses Brown, still the same exact player different situation Dallas didn't play him really at all this year so it didn't help him like he played 26 games but didn't even play seven minutes that is atrocious like with seven minute runs you really aren't going to be able to make much noise and he really didn't because he got waived mid-season and then the Cavs got him as a two-way signee he might have started as a 10-day because of Allen's injury and he had a couple double-doubles finished averaging six points and five rebounds with them don't know what the future holds uh, for Moses I said in yesterday's pod like I really like him as a prospect I know that everyone was so strong about him getting traded to sell to the Celtics either it was 
Moses Brown's a starting caliber center or Moses Brown shouldn't be in the NBA. There was no in-between where people were like, I would have liked to keep Moses. He might not be anything special, but he's a good developmental guy. That's where I was. And it seemed like there was nothing there. Like that's just kind of how Twitter works. And that's one of the, the issues you might find on there sometimes, but I like him. Hopefully someone swoops him up, might be on another two-way contract, but if he continues to play at the same pace, he could be a good energy backup guy next year. Jalen Horde, my goodness, averaged 15 points and 12 rebounds for the Thunder this year. Only played seven games and basically played the entirety of those seven games, but still had that hustle in there. I saw some reviews and rankings on Horde saying like the numbers don't suggest he was impactful. He was impactful. I mean, he was putting stats up there. Now, in terms of if that translates to a a high stakes game, probably not. Like, I I don't think so because these were basically G League games that he was participating in. (laughs) But I still think he did exactly what he needed to on his contract. You can't knock the man for that. And then for other guys, you kind of get into the G League darlings, Rob Edwards and Xavier Simpson. For Phil Booth, Vincent Edwards, and uh, Ryan Woolridge, I know Woolridge is playing in Greece. Phil Booth went overseas. Edwards, he was playing for the Iowa Wolves. And Melvin Frazier actually reunited for a bit. He was with Iowa, and then he technically got put back on the blue due to that two-way contract. So, Nazi Muhammad finessed the Wolves. Basically, he traded Frazier midseason to to bring on Robert Woodard in a first-round pick for the G League. Woodard got signed by the Spurs. They had him in the bubble. They must have liked him. So it looked like on paper the Thunder got fleeced. But because they got that two-way offer out, they got back Frazier. And what happened was they rented him out for two months and they upgraded their pick from a second rounder to a first round selection. And Iowa did not make the playoffs. So that could be a very fun pick to use. Like I mentioned, I should be talking more on the OKC Blue uh, in the near future. We'll have to see what comes up. Sort of as those stories come and go. One thing that I thought was pretty funny. I made a tweet a couple days ago on the draft lottery and who's expected to be OKC's representative had that pod on Tuesday if you want to check that out but Kevin Chen he's been one of the followers of the blue this year I notice I notice who's following the blue because it's um it's a tight-knit group but it's a very fun one he mentioned on there he said I'm seeing a strange lack of Anthony Roberson for one of your articles if you don't know Roberson was released and signed by OKC. I guess the better word is he was waived and reacquired by OKC about six times this year. It was crazy. It was a revolving door for him. And I believe when I was actually in town to cover uh, the Thunder and Blue games, he might have been on the sidelines. Like he wasn't on the roster, but he was still in the building. I was very intrigued by that because he. It's kind of just like a plug-and-play piece, and he was all year. But that's where I made my money's worth in terms of kind of breaking news on the team because every week I could talk about Roberson. I, I really like Anthony Roberson for that. But I thought that was great that he mentioned it. Roberson 
I might even want to try to get a story with him because of that situation. I don't know if anyone else in the G League had a circumstance like that where you were just constantly being taken on and off that main roster. But my saying was, if he was a draft representative, he'd probably get fired halfway through. He'd get waived halfway through just because it always seemed like the the blue, you know, they couldn't keep him around for a week because there were so many different moving parts. That's why the G League is beautiful. You get to see a lot of different stories, a lot of different players come in. There's going to be probably a good amount of turnover from this season to next season in terms of players uh, leaving. When you check out last year, uh, I guess the bubble year to this one, only three players remained. It was Melvin Frazier Jr., Rob Edwards, and Xavier Simpson. And actually it's four because Jalen Horde was there too. I don't know what happens with them. Horde has done very well for this organization the last two seasons. He kind of has checked every box they've wanted to. Now he needs to get a three ball going, but could he leave? Rob Edwards, he might be headed overseas potentially. Xavier Simpson's kind of in that same boat. Maybe their summer league prospects again might be with another team. That's what Xavier did last year and worked out kind of well. He didn't play much for the Lakers, but that's where he landed. Melvin played for the Wizards, but they had COVID, so he couldn't play. Rob Edwards played summer league ball for the Thunder, and he was their best player. So yeah, there's a lot at stake for these guys. I really want to get some news on that, keep you guys updated, because I do think the future of this team is pretty damn important. They had two really good seasons with some high level players Jamias Ramsey we only got to see about 10 games of him in the the blue uniform but he's only 20 years old former second round pick he should have a lot of gas in the tank and we'll have to see where he ends up going with all that mileage but yeah I'll be keeping you guys posted as for other content the draft lottery is on Tuesday I'll have posts consistently over on si.com slash nba slash thunder si thunder whatever you want to call it i have stuff up there and then on the podcast side i will still keep you guys in check but other than that though guys that is going to do it for today's episode i thank you all for listening and i will talk to you all next time see ya